Welcome to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast. We look at revitalization in real time, examining the ups and downs of revitalizing and replanting historic and legacy churches throughout New England and the U.S. Now here's your hosts. Welcome back to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast. And welcome back to another solo adventure. Um... Man, I actually have a list of ideas here on my desk. It's kind of buried under my books. Uh, as I'm uh, looking over work for seminary, but um, I decided not to do. I have We have a list of ones for me and Eric to do, me and Natalie to do, and myself, Don McKinnon, pastor of Legacy Church, before I forget my introduction. But, um, yeah... I decided not to do one of those today because uh, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking at life in general, and um, I don't know if you've been here for the last um, week. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff has gone on. Um, we look at, uh, you know, the. I don't know if we can call it an investigation, but. Uh, there are some things that have come up on John MacArthur. There's stuff that came up or came out in the investigation on Ravi Zacharias. And I don't know about you, but, um, I don't think we should bury them. But at the same time, when you, um, uh, how would I put it? When you look at how uh, how this is you know um, I think we have to kind of try to look I mean let me let me just start off by saying this with the Ravi Zacharias thing there's no excuse for what had been done um, the investigation has been done I know that there are people who are arguing that, hey, he's dead, why are we doing this? But things have to be answered for, and that's what's going on right now. Um, and we have to, we should know what had happened. Um, you know, and we should mourn in this, we should be angry in this, we should be, you know, feeling all sorts of emotions, because what has transpired has been... Uh, egregious to the spirit um, you know he grieved the spirit and what he did and uh, if you don't understand that you gotta uh, you know you gotta pray because um, you know I think it was John Newton who said once that uh, when you're right with God you're hard on yourself and easy on others but when you are um, not right with God, you are easy on yourself and um, hard on others. And in that case, you know, you got you got to examine yourself just to kind of see where you are. I think, but it's really a, a tough thing. I think to sit here and read what happened, um, and you read the report from uh, RZIM. And you see that they are uh, uh, grieving and just angry at what happened. And 
you know, we should be praying for them because uh, it's uh, it, it's really tough. I mean, this is a man who um, influenced a generation in apologetics, if we're if we're honest. And uh, you know, I've read where many people have said it was his ministry that brought them to Christ. So it's not that God didn't use Ravi, but um, just what had happened and what um, transpired is, oh, you know, it should it it should break your heart, and uh, we should be praying for, um, you know, the victims, their families, Ravi's family, RZIM, at this time. We shouldn't be making light of it. We shouldn't be um, saying anything uh, out of our own anger and spite and, and all this stuff. Um, you know, we, we've looked at it, and I think this is, this is the problem with our culture. Um, you know, we, we celebrify, or however you want to say, we, we lift up a lot of um, pastors, you know, to a higher position. Uh, I think we're always kind of looking for that next Peter and Paul in our own lives. You know, uh, we we look at history. We see the Charles Spurgeons, the D.L. Moody's, the uh, Billy Graham's, you know, whoever you want to throw out there. And, you know, when we look at it, you know, a lot of these guys also had their own faults. And so it's a reminder that the only one we really should be looking up to is Christ. Um and in that, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go f much further, but it's just really, wow. You know, just, uh, it, it was kind of sobering, um, in all honesty, reading that. And uh, Eric, who's been on vacation in Florida, uh, he had messaged uh, me and, and several other guys. And, you know, he was just really uh, himself. He was questioning and um, devastated by what he read. Now, when it comes to the thing with uh, MacArthur, you know, I know I've I've gotten in trouble for posting it online, um, but it is those things, you know, we we hold up people in high regard, and I'm not in no way am I um, trying to badmouth the man, but you look at what the report is saying. And um, it leads you to question. And it's, it's not just myself who's questioning. There are um, tens of thousands of Christians out there now who are questioning what is going on. Um, there are people who have uh, YouTube channels and Facebook pages and, and other things that are uh, both defending and uh, condemning MacArthur. And, you know, my, my main thing is this. If, if there is anything wrong um, within the investigation, you know, the, the investigation, the stuff that's come out through um, uh, Julie Royce's um, uh, website really um, is one of those things. And I, I'm thinking back to, you know, stuff that she put out there about James McDonald, which was also put out by another guy um, who actually was instrumental in the um, 
takedown of Mark Driscoll. And we look at those guys, and those guys had a lot of fans, a lot of people looking up to them. You know? And uh, I think overall, it's just, again, it's that matter that we look up to flawed people. In fact, a lot of people will say that, that they are flawed. Uh, and we kind of forget that, that, hey, these people are human. Uh, the only perfect human that ever lived, according to history, is Jesus. And for those of you that are going to say, well, he was also God, yeah, he was fully man and fully God. Um, that's what doctrine and theology teaches us. So he was the perfect man. And so we sit there and we look at that and, um, you know, he should be the only one that we look up to. Um, and, you know, God gives us mentors. God gives, gives us mentors who are flawed. Um, I can tell you that in my life, in my 25 plus years of ministry, um, I have seen uh, men rise up and men fall. I have seen people um, go through, through all sorts of things. And, you know, in the other regard of it, we also see men that uh, get put back into positions that shouldn't. Um, and I've seen it on Facebook and other places where people are like, you know, how is that possible? Why are they doing this? I don't get what's going on. But uh, that's what we need to understand is, um, you know, people are going to get put back in power. Uh, James McDonald, who, again, Roy's, uh, and, and uh, I think it was um, Morton Throckmorton. I forget what his first name is, but Throckmorton is, is his last name. Uh, they, they revealed a lot of stuff that was going on with James McDonald's uh, ministry and we saw where he was eventually removed from uh, his ministry, and now he's beginning a whole new ministry. Same thing with uh, Driscoll, even though I, I know people who would argue that Driscoll was never disqualified out of uh, ministry. But we look at that. We also look at um, Perry Noble for, for another example. Um you know, people get back into ministry. Maybe some of them deserve the second chance. Maybe some of them don't. But um, do I think that this is going to harm John MacArthur? I don't know. Um, I've said it a few times. I would not be surprised if he uh, announced a retirement or resigned from certain positions. Uh, and it would be mainly due to his age. He's uh, 81, 82 years old right now. So he's, you know, he's, uh, I don't want to say long in the tooth in, in a bad sense, but, you know, he, he probably is ready to start uh, passing the torch on and who he's going to pass the torch on to, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be... Um, uh, Steve Lawton or, um, uh, uh, I forget, uh, Paul Johnson. I don't know if one of them will take up the, uh, baton over there for either, um, Grace Community or, um, uh, 
the Master's Seminary, but I think a lot of people will look at what's gone on in the last month. Uh, I know there was a health concern for him. Uh, some people were saying that this was regular time that he took off, but there was a health concern for him that uh, people were wondering what was going on. And so, uh, you know, without knowing, so, you know, I, I don't know, so uh, we can only guess and speculate, but, you know, I would just say that the smart money is uh, I would not be surprised to hear in the next 12 months or so that he would be stepping down or resigning from any one, if not all, of the positions that he currently holds. And I know that's tough for a lot of people to hear, but again, at his age, you look at his age and uh, you know he's not long on this earth. God could call him home at any time. Um, you know, love him or hate him. Uh, I know Robert Schuller uh, had been up there in age before he stepped down. And, um, of course, that whole thing was a, a, a kerfuffle. But, you know, we look at these guys who try to stay in as long as they can. And um, I'm really of the opinion that uh, once you get to a certain age, you need to really consider stepping back, maybe taking that pastor emeritus uh, role. And, uh, you know, I look at what happened with um, uh, John Piper's church when they uh, eventually replaced him uh, and, and how that was done. I think that's a model that all churches should look at because uh, I've seen churches where things just don't go that smoothly. Um, there's a church in my area of New England um, not my exact area, but in, in New England, um, down in Rhode Island, that went through a similar, um, like they used the, the Piper um, model for their uh, thing, and it worked. But anyway, um, I spent more time than I wanted to on that. Uh, let's talk about good things, you know. Um, Let's talk about good things because I think I think if we focus too much on that sort of stuff, it, it really paints us in a bad light. And we look at like what the political uh, stratosphere right now is, and I've seen like a lot of churches just really just blowing up in this. Uh, I actually had a good talk with um, a, a guy last night uh, for four hours. Um, and it was just a good conversation. We talked about how the political stratosphere has uh, just really made church for some people unbearable because, um, you know, church is a place where we're supposed to come together as a family and grow together, you know, live out that Acts 2, 42 to 47 life. And we just let politics rule and it can just get really bad. So... I want to know what has been going on good with your church. What has been going good? You know, um, I know we've we're in a good position right now. Uh, in, in some ways, in other ways, we have repairs that we didn't know. Um, we had a nice storm come through, and uh, not as bad as what's down in Texas, and we should be praying for them because I, I actually, uh, I'm going to throw this out there for everybody. I have uh, good friends that I served with at Meeting House Church 
uh, Chris and Aaron Ablaza, and Aaron is uh, five months pregnant, and um, they moved down to Texas from New England uh, for for several reasons, and I don't think that they were expecting this, and um, you know it's just a great concern knowing that she's uh, five months along in her pregnancy and facing this cold weather. So uh, please just lift them up uh, to God right now if you can, because um, they're good friends of mine. And, uh, you know, my heart has been really concerned since uh, watching the news lately. But, you know, in, in that regard, I think we look at, you know, what is the lifestyle of the church? What what are the things that are going on that are that are really good? And uh, we have one gentleman. Probably, you know, this is a story. I, w- I want to. I'm, I'm going to share the story as we leave. Um, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share the story as we leave, just to kind of give you a good uh, a good punch to the feels. Let's put it that way. Um, but. You know, what is going on? I know a lot of churches that are suffering. I think I'm reading more now. Like, I'm, I'm reading where churches were doing well at the start, and I'm reading more about churches closing. And I think it's um, it's kind of eye-opening. I know with us, we're, um, we're actually trying to figure out a budget right now with everything because we need to, we need to apply for... Um, some loans to help with security and other things, but it's really like scary as we're doing the budget because we're kind of realizing we, we know we've been going by the skin of our teeth, but you know, we're sitting there and um, I've got a, I've got a guy who's trying to learn how to do the budget because the previous leadership didn't want to do the budget. But um, how are we doing? You know, and what are the good stories out there? That's the thing. I know I know. if I were to share some of the good stories that we've had, it's been where our church has found ways to connect with people. Um, you know, we, we question whether or not the, the social media, the, the live streaming is keeping people away. And, you know, I got to say, I'm, 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 I've got a member who's uh, sick right now at the church. And I didn't know if they were watching the sermon still. And he messaged me right after, uh, right after service on Sunday, just to thank me for praying for him, and um, various uh, various things that are going on. And um, oh, it's just kind of those things that we are. Experiencing that are making me realize that even though we've kind of hit a snag in uh, the COVID, like honestly, I'm I'm ready for us to be open, you know, wide open and and able to get back. I I wanna I I'm telling you, I wanna begin having um, designing to have a a pastor's dinner at the church because I see that as a, as a need in the area. But um, I'm looking at, like, the wins that we've had. And there are some good wins. There are some places that I didn't think we were winning. Um, I'm seeing people's faith grow in this time. And, you know, I I really have to question that uh, we're 
pastors are when they're not looking at the winds and they're letting life drag them down and different things. Um, but yeah, that is the thing. Anyway, I don't want to go too far on. Um, this is this is basically just a filler episode. But I do want to leave you. Uh, we have one gentleman who recently started coming to the church. Um, and we've another area where we've won is we have seen our church grow. And I have one gentleman who began attending the church a few months back. And um, he lost his wife to cancer. Uh, I think his wife and him had celebrated uh, just before her death 58 years of marriage. So he's an older gentleman. He had actually once attended the church um, for a number of years. But, uh, you know, as we know in revitalization, people leave because of the way leadership is doing stuff. And he felt the Holy Spirit leading him back here. And he's become a good member of the family. Uh, I guess a good member of the family again, we could say. But uh, he was sharing with me, um, like I said, this is going to be a story that hits you in the feels. And I think one thing we have to be careful of when we look at life and we we struggle as pastors trying to figure out what we're doing in life, where we're going, um, all sorts of different things. Um, I think we have to step back and look at where people are and look at how good we actually have it. So, um, this gentleman, he, uh, he goes to the town next to us, Oxford, where I, I, I work as a teacher, but he, um, he is the town Santa. Now, um, being in the small town, the smaller towns, uh, I grew up, I grew up on the east part of Massachusetts, where, um, basically you can live in Brockton or Taunton and still call yourself a Bostonian because, uh, they have that metro reach of Boston. It's kind of crazy the way that they do things. Um, as I tell people, I was born in Boston. I'm, I, you know, my grandparents uh, owned a home in West Roxbury, and that's where my parents lived when I was born. And uh, I was there for four years, so I am a Bostonian. But uh, town life has been something new to me to get used to over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, I look at what goes on. And, and so this gentleman, he, um, he has served at the Common for a number of years, um, sitting in the gazebo uh, as Santa, kids coming up and taking pictures with him and sitting on his lap and just uh, talking to them. So this gentleman was doing it this past Christmas, and this is the first year that he lost his wife. And uh, he really didn't know if he was going to do it. And God called him to, um, to just, you know, go ahead and do it. 
That's what he told me. He felt God telling him to go ahead and do it. And he didn't know how he was going to react. He didn't know what was going to happen. So, this one night, a couple of weeks before Christmas, family shows up. And uh, this was, they showed up probably about five minutes before um, it was the end of his, uh, I don't know, duty, if you want to call it that. But, um, you know, it was five minutes before he was ready to pack it up. And what happened was the family reached up to him, um, reached out to him, went up to him. They said uh, they didn't know how he felt about it because of the COVID situation, but um, they gave the story, and their daughter, five years old, six years old, something like that, um, she was diagnosed early before the pandemic with a, an aggressive form of cancer. And, of course, they were trying everything, and... Um, just didn't work and um, they were told that she wasn't going to make it to uh, Christmas and she just wanted to see Santa one last time now we think about it um, you know what's going to happen we can argue all we want about right and wrong about Santa and stuff, but I'm really under the impression that Jesus wants us to use things for the advantage of witnessing to him. And so uh, this guy went to the home, went into the room, the girl peeked up, you know, so happy to see Santa. She snuggled right up against him, held his hand, and the one thing that he did was he started to pray for her, right there. Now, I don't know, I don't know who's listening and who's going to say, oh, Santa's a stupid thing, but think about that. Here's a man, he's a Christian. He's just gone through a loss himself. And what he does is he sits there and he prays with this little girl and lets her know that she's going to have the greatest Christmas present in the world when she sees Jesus. Now argue all you want. I know there are going to be people who are going to say, well, she didn't accept Christ and things but you know I'm I'm of the I'm of the uh, impression the um, you know age of accountability um, but just to know that this man was able to sit there and comfort her and then before he left he prayed with the family That means a lot. And I think we forget, as the church, 
those in revitalization, established churches, church plants. We forget that we are to be lights in the darkness. And this man was a light in the darkness for this family. And right now we have a, a climate of darkness. And if we do not shine our light, we're failing as Christians. So, I'm going to leave you with that. Um, next week, Eric and I will be back. Um, I know we are interviewing both uh, Mike Stone and Ed Litton over the next uh, week. So you will be hearing one of them on the next uh, podcast. And then uh, Nat and I will be back and then we will have the other interview. So with that, I'm going to say goodbye. God bless. I love you all. I'm praying for you. And just know that God is with you.